Well, we all know what that sound means. It's welcome back to the second season of the Inadvertent Whistle podcast. I am your host, Scott Bockhanson, joined by my co-host, Mr. Adam Brick. And Adam, welcome back to our second year. With our second year, who knows? Maybe we double our listenership. But then again, two times zero is zero. But we're excited to be back. Hope to share some insights, some thoughts, some stories, some advice, uh, and have a good time with everybody listening as we talk about refereeing another basketball season. So here we are about a week before Thanksgiving, and we're looking at getting ready for the season. we got scrimmages going on. We just are finishing our rules clinics and going through the different processes of taking our exams. So uh, this year I'd like to say that we're excited that we're going to have a full-time sponsor on board for the whole year, the Steve Gordon Basketball Officials Camp will be our official sponsor through the whole year. So we're thankful for the camp and we're thankful for the opportunities that they provide to our younger officials. So Adam, I thought maybe we'd just get right into it and talk about the rule changes for this year. So um, what do you think about going over the rule changes? What are those? All right, so one's uh, about a basketball that Nike can't use. Another one's about some backcourt thing and you can't set a screen for uh, standing. You can't stand on the line and set a screen. How does that sound? You can't stand on a line? Does that mean like the three-point line? No, you can't stand on an out-of-bounds line. Gotcha. Okay. Didn't under, don't know the rules, but did get 100 on the test. <laughs> so that just means that you know how to read a rule book. So that's good. So those are the rule changes for this year. We're glad we could cover those for you. And if, we, if you really need to look at them, uh, talk to our rules interpreter, Mr. Mike Preston. He is the best rules interpreter in Northern Virginia. So as we get started with this coming year, I thought maybe we would talk about some things that we're going to do differently uh, for for our association, but for basketball officiating in general. One of the things that we're starting is just, you know, these three-minute lesson videos that we're sending out on Twitter, as well as uh, providing just small little spurts of, of information. So you'll see that coming out throughout the year, as well as some other things that will hopefully help our officials benefit from just seeing the visual evidence of some of the things that we do and can learn from. So, But I, th- I thought we would uh, really focus this year uh, on this first uh, episode of, of, of really making sure that we have a good idea of mentorship or having a peer to communicate with. It's, it's one of those things in, in officiating that if you have a mentor that can help you steer the right way when you first start out, it's very important. And uh, I know that... Uh, you know, as you grow through the years, maybe you don't have as many mentors, but you gain peers that you can bounce plays off of. I, I know for one thing, I don't like to have yes people um, in my peer group because I, if I make a mistake, I want them to say, hey, I, I think you made a mistake here. So that's why I choose guys like Adam and, and other people that are just going to shoot me straight. So, um, Adam, do you, do you have any thoughts on mentorship or peers communication? Yes, Scott. All right. So as we get to our next step, um, I'd like to talk about some mentors that maybe we've had. And, and this year, Adam and I both have had a long-term uh, mentor to each of us that has uh, that's passed away this year. So um, Dave Scooter Skaggs was my soccer coach in high school and was a longtime uh, coach in the area. He was also under the Morgan Wooten basketball coaching tree. Uh, passed away. And I think that when, when you look for a mentor, you look for somebody that has an impact on you in the positive way. And one of the things that I always learned from uh, from my mentor and Dave Skaggs was 
you, you wanted to make sure that you always did things the right way, um, but you also enjoyed doing them and you loved your teammates. And I thought that was one of the biggest things that I took with me. And over the years, one of the things that he taught me was how to give back. And so um, for me, giving back to other officials, whether it be through training, through teaching, through mentoring, uh, is really just a, a, an improvement to his legacy um, and, and uh, appreciation for what he taught me over the years. And, and Adam, I know recently one of your mentors, uh, Frank Rienzo, passed away. You want to share anything about Frank? Yeah, Frank actually uh, died last week. And um, not only a mentor of mine, but a longtime friend. Uh, many of you may know him uh, as the longtime athletic director at Georgetown University. He's actually one of the founding fathers of the Big East Conference. So if you ever watch the 30 for 30 with the Requiem for the Big East, <clears throat> you'll see Frank interviewed in that. Um, and Frank wasn't a mentor to me in officiating. He was a mentor to me in intercollegiate athletics and more so in life. Um, and he really was in the tr true uh, Jesuit spirit of education, uh, a man for others. And I can tell you that at his funeral and at the memorial service, uh, and having he's just known so many people that he worked with over the years that there are just countless numbers of people that consider Frank as a mentor because he was always willing to educate. He was a teacher at heart, started out as a teacher, and um, to his dying day was a teacher. His grandchildren, of which he had 16, uh, many of them spoke at the funeral, and they all talked about how Papa always used everything as a teaching lesson whether that had to do with a sport or just packing the trunk of a car to go on a trip. Um, and one of, one of Frank's many sayings, um, and he was a, a Latin teacher uh, back in the day, was de gustibus non est disputandum, which is in matters of taste, there is no opinion. And that kind of really relates to officiating. Um, as we've talked about in the past, in order to be a good official, you do need a, a solid base in the rules. But at the end of the day, what separates the average official to the to the really good and to the great official is how you handle situations and how you communicate with coaches and how you lead your crew. And for coaches, officials are a matter of taste. It's, it's how you relate to them. And in matters of taste, there are no differences of opinion. So a coach's opinion of an official is the fact for that coach. You can't really dispute it. Um, so most of the time when we're refereeing, it's not about the calls we do and we don't make. It's what we do after we make them, whether we've made a mistake or we've gotten the call correctly. We can muck it up either way if we've made a good call or a bad call in how we treat people. And I think that's one of the things that, that Frank's legacy, um, and we call them the godfather uh, very uh, affectionately over the years, his legacy was how you treat people, whether it was from the custodian at the school to the president of the university. You treat everybody with dignity and respect, and that's what we ought to be doing in officiating as well. Adam, that's that's very well said. I know Frank had a big impact on your life just as much as Scooter had on my life, and, um, you know, it's important. Again, mentors can really help uh, develop and manage the way you do things, and uh, recently, I had the pleasure of getting one of my uh, longtime buddies that I refereed basketball with over the years, Tim Comer, who was working a game at George Mason, we were able to take eight young officials. Uh, Steve Gordon and I took six other young officials, so we're not the young guys, but we took six other young officials and went to the George Mason game and afterwards uh, joined Tim Comer, um, you know, just to talk about things. He told some great stories. 
Um, you know, Adam, I, I, I know that you were invited but couldn't make it. Well, no, I couldn't make it. I mean, I couldn't make it, but I knew that Comer wasn't going to be buying drinks and food after the game, so that's why I didn't show up. Yeah, you know, and, and that's uh, that, that's pretty much how it happened. So, uh, but Tim got got a you know a lot out of that, uh, you know, or we got a lot out of that opportunity to talk to Tim after the game, and then um, you know he had to catch a flight the next day. So, but anyway, I want to thank Tim, and I want to thank you know all of the guys that are out there working college basketball, letting some high school guys come learn from you, hear what you're saying, um, you know, and, and understand what it took from uh, from your side to get to where you are today. So uh, with that, I think it's time for uh, the mailbag, is it not, Adam? It is, and our first uh, email of the season comes all the way from Hartford, Connecticut. And no, it's not an insurance question, but it does come from Scott Grove. And he has a question which clearly is meant for you, Scott, not for me. It says, is your pregame any different at the beginning of the season than perhaps during midseason or later in the season? Grover, you must have had somebody write that question for you. I, I, that's actually a really good question. Um, I, I will tell you that for pregame purposes, I generally have the same outline of the pregame uh, that's done throughout the year. And it just depends on how much time I have. I, I have a three-minute pregame, I have a seven-minute pregame, and then if I have enough time, I have a 15-minute pregame. But I really focus on the basics of positioning um, and also matchups and what we can share about the teams, players, and coaches that we know. You know, I think, and, and so that's the part that changes. If if somebody's going to run a zone more, if somebody's running man to man, if somebody's doing full court pressing, those are the things that uh, that I really pay attention to uh, during the year. So that that's that's my answer. To that Adam, you got anything else you want to add? Actually, I do. When I, when I have uh, longer than a three or four word, and most of you that have refereed with me know what my pregame is, but when I actually uh, conduct one, which is more often than you think, um, there are really the four C's that I concentrate on, and I'll, and I'll run through them real quick. One is communication. That as a crew, we're going to communicate with each other all night long. We're going to communicate with the players, with the coaches, uh, and with the scorer's table. Uh, and that's going to—that's some of the stuff that's going to keep us out of the biggest kind of trouble. The other is um, consistency. Coaches have kind of given up, particularly in high school basketball, but I think at just about any level, particularly high school and college, on consistency from night to night. What they're looking for is consistency from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. Are the three of us, or if it's two officials, are we on the same page? Are we calling it the similar ways at both ends of the floor? If we're down on one end, and, and Scott, you pass on some contact and the ball goes in, I can't go down on the other end and call something ticky-tack, whereas uh, Bill Raftery would call it a nickel-dimer. Um, we got to stay away from stuff like that. The third is concentration. Uh, Jay Dallas Shirley used to say, right, may he rest in peace. Um, when the ball is dead, be alive. Um, I know for you, Scott, one of your pet peeves is when we have timeouts and players are crossing. Uh, it's going to their benches. Are we paying attention? Don't let your guard down just because the ball is not in play. And then the last is a big one for me, is too often officials, when they leave the rock, locker room, they leave common sense in the locker room. Make sure you take common sense with you to the court. Um, it can be amongst one of your best friends out there. Not the rule book, but common sense. So those are the kind of things that I'll talk about in a pregame with my crew. Um, I'm, uh, those are the things that I like to talk about to get us in a frame of mind. And um, I think that you know, getting ready for a game Sometimes is something that's an, an individual thing. Um, how some people want to be listen to music and be alone. Others, different styles. 
And I think as a crew, we just have to accommodate each other when we're, t- when we're conducting a pregame. All right. Well, so who's the next uh, email or mailbox from? We actually got one from Chad Dawson, uh, the head coach out at uh, Loudoun Valley High School. Chad was one of the coaches that came to our coaches' roundtable a few, a few months ago or a month ago. And he was curious if we would discuss the, the points of emphasis this year. And Chad, uh, in, in your honor, no, uh, we will no longer discuss points of emphasis. And we, we do have a third uh, email, also from a coach that attended our roundtable discussion. That's Carlos Poindexter over at Hayfield High School. Actually, it's a two-part question. Um, he's starting to get a little bit like Jim Acosta here with, with, his, with the way he questions us. But anyway, he wanted to know if he can get a call, and the answer to that is no. But uh, he also wanted to know if referees pay attention to when players are in foul trouble. So um, the answer to that is, is it should be a resounding no. We may be aware that a player has picked up some fouls, but we're not, it's not going to change the way we officiate the game. We as officials uh, just need to officiate the game. You know, let's not get into watching an NBA game and, and – you know, where some other player raises his hand and the official gives it to him instead of the star player. Um, we're not dealing with that at the high school level. We're, we're just there to enforce the rules to our best of our ability. And, um, you know, unlike uh, Adam's response to, uh, to the no for the uh, getting a call, I would say for all the coaches that attended our, our fall clinic on the coaches' roundtable, um, at some point this season, you will all get a call. I can't tell you when it is. I can't tell you who it's from or what the play is, but you'll get one. And so congratulations. Yeah, the one thing I'd add to that is about players in foul trouble. If we as officials do what we're supposed to do and make sure that every call we make is a good one, then we don't have to worry about who's in foul trouble. If a kid gets in foul trouble, it's their doing, not ours. So for us, we are not in a reactive game. We are in a thinking man, thinking woman's game. Let the play develop, see the whole play, let the contact happen, and then make a decision. Don't just react to contact because just reacting to contact can put us in the soup pretty quickly. It's okay. A whistle that we think is an eternity late, but maybe a half a second to a second late that's correct is much better than the quick whistle that is marginal or incorrect. Uh, this just in, breaking news, uh, every commissioner, every assigner at the high school level has just emailed, texted, instant message, text messaged, and uh, even, I think, on Scott's MySpace page said, please sign up for scrimmages and make sure your closeouts are up to date. Scott, talking about getting ready for the season, what, what are things that, that you go through in the off season? Uh, to focus on basketball and or to get ready for the season? Well, Adam, I think it's a, a little different for for me, but I, I will tell you what what generally my offseason consists of. When uh, when we're done with the season and the banquet's done, it's it's really a – I get about a one-month relaxed time uh, before I get into the summertime where we evaluate our officials that are uh, interested in moving up. So we have what we call the SCP, which really should be S. It should be the STEP, S-T-E-P, Summer Training and Evaluation Program of our non-varsity or swing officials. And what we try to do is give them an opportunity to work some games in conjunction with the Flint Hill League to be evaluated by some of our state officials and college officials. And we 
provide them the opportunity so that they can move up to the next stage. And it's something that, that we do that's different than most organizations and associations. Um, but it is, uh, it's a labor of love because you know, we're not doing it to get paid because it's, uh, we're out there every Monday through Thursday night from five o'clock until 10. Uh, and so there's a lot of time away from the families in the summertime. Um, but it's a good way for myself as well as some of the members of the ERC, our executive rating committee, our training and evaluation team to get out there and help others as they progress but it also gives us a chance to sharpen our own skills and make sure that when we see mistakes, it helps us on the other side. Um, one of the things that you said last year, Adam, I, I try to do a lot of as well. I watch other sports. I watch baseball. I watch football. Um, I like to see the way that some of the officials or umpires in those sports handle things. Like in baseball, they don't have a technical foul or a yellow card like they do in soccer. So, you know, how are they able to communicate effectively without having to necessarily have an ejection. So those are, those are some of the things I like to do. And I think it's really important to get away. Um, I use my, my game checks for the year for vacation. So we usually hit the Outer Banks, Myrtle Beach, Disney World, whatever it is. Um, and so my wife and three daughters and I, we, we enjoy that time. So that's, that's really my focus point. And then I get into the training series that we have in October called the Tuesday Night Training TNT Sessions. Um, and then we're, we're right here where we start with the beginning of the season. So that's, that's pretty much my off season. It doesn't sound like much of one, but it's a way that I stay involved and, and sharpen my skills. So Adam, what about you? What'd you do this summer? Well, I came to some of those nights at the SEP or as you so eloquently put step, I like the visual there of the stepping stone for officials, um, but certainly didn't attend all those nights that you did. But I, I like to actually take time away from the game. Um, spend more time with family, coach a lot of ba- Little League Baseball. Um, and again, just I like talking to and watching the, the Little League umpires. And most of them are teenagers. And and I talk to them as if they were mentors of mine when they're, when they're umpiring games. I distinctly remember a play where we had a home plate umpire, a first base, and a third base umpire. And there was a play at second base. First base umpire, third base umpire were both at first and third base. And we had the Blarge, except we had, I guess you'd call it a, a, a South. We had one call safe, one call out um, at the play at second. And I quite honestly, I don't remember whether my team was in the field or we were batting. Uh, but my point is, as I talked to the first base umpire, because I remember we were in the first base dugout, I said, hey, listen, here's what you guys are going to do. The three of you are going to get together. You're going to decide which one's correct, and you're going to tell both coaches. And we're going to live with what you call. I don't really care what you call at this point. Just come out with one call. And to me, that was a teaching moment for them. It was also a teaching moment for my players and the parents of my players that we don't argue with umpires. No, we don't argue with officials. Um, Some of the statistics as of late are kind of scary that I've seen that I think it was NASA put out about how many referees don't make it past year one, how many quit by year three. And an astonishing number to me was I think it was 48% of male referees at some point or another felt physically threatened um, during uh, officiating a contest. And so it's incumbent upon all of us to make the environment better. And that's actually a talk we had with our officials and coaches by Tom Dolan, who's the associate director of the Virginia High School League. We're all in this together. Um, It's particularly at the high school level. None of us are doing it to make a living, although Scott's going on vacation in an awful lot of places, Myrtle Beach, Florida, Outer Banks, he works a lot of games. 
Um, so for me, the off season is is spent a little differently. I don't I don't referee any games, and if you you know when I go out tomorrow and work my first scrimmage, it's going to sure as hell look like I haven't refereed any games. And I tell the kids that, yeah, I'm going to make mistakes more than usual because um, I haven't had the whistle around my neck since March. Um, but it'll be a fun season. Looking forward to it. You now the day it stops being fun is the day I will hang up the whistle, or the day that Scott and Doug and Cecil and Jimmy Jones tell me it's time to hang it up. Um, Want to make sure everybody has our email address. It's Brick and Bach, Brick as in house, and A-N-D, Bach, B-A-C-H, at gmail.com. Feel free to send in your complaints. Those go to Scott. Your questions, those come to me. Your compliments, those go to our producer, Oreo. And if you're looking for us on Twitter, you can find us at the symbol at INADV underscore whistle for the Inadvertent Whistle podcast. So I want to leave us with a final thought before I turn it over to Adam. And I'd just like to say that it's uh, it's great to be back. This is my 27th season. Uh, it's probably 25 more than the coaches really want. But I, I, I've really enjoyed each year of gaining new relationships and friendships amongst the officiating community. And I look forward to having it for this year as well. So um, as you're out there this year, stay healthy. We, we can't afford to lose you and, uh, look forward to seeing you guys out on the court. Adam. Yeah. One more uh, time just to, um, direct people to the Steve Gordon basketball officials camp, our sponsor of the season. Uh, that camp will happen at the end of June, early July. If you need some information anytime soon, go ahead and send us an email at our email address, brickenbach at gmail.com. And we'll be happy to send some information to you. Um, as we start the season, I, and what did you just say? It was your 27th year? Yeah. I have actually no idea how many years I've been doing this. Too many. Uh, yeah, too many. Um, but I've had a ton of fun. I'm still having a ton of fun. I've made a lot, lot of lifelong friends um, and family through officiating. So I'm looking forward to another season. And if there's anything we can do to help any of you out there, please holler at us via email or Twitter. And let us know how things are going for you. Uh, if there's any stories you want to share, any questions you have, please do, uh, do go ahead and contact us via email or through Twitter. And may this be the only inadvertent whistle in your day. Crashing, hit a wall. Right now I need a miracle. Hurry up now, I need a miracle. the most so dumb.